Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A.K.A. Herb TZ. If you don't believe him, go check out his truck. His license plate is TZ, a personalized license plate. Back here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate and Show, Herb Tyler, former LSU quarterback, one of the all-time winningest quarterback in LSU history. I'm Christian Garrett getting you set for LSU and Florida tonight at 6 p.m. kickoff in Gainesville at the Swamp. And like it or not, the Swamp is one of those yeah. cool, iconic it is. college football venues. It is. And look, this, the, the, the fans are literally like two feet behind the, the, the benches. They're right on top of you. Oh, man, it's, 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 it's nuts. Nonstop. And huh? they don't care. <laughs> They talk to you. They say whatever. They, you know, they throw nickels and quarters <laughs> and dimes or whatever they want to do. But it is a beautiful stadium. I cannot lie. It is a great stadium, a great venue to play in, very tough venue to play in. I've never won there. Came close in 98, um, but it's not um, It's not an easy place to play. Were you the starter in 97 when they upset Florida, number one Florida? In 97, yeah, I was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew you were a part of that. Yep. And then we had the we we had the uh, in this rivalry you had we mentioned the five for five when Les went five for five and Jacob Hester winning it ended up winning it. Yep. Of course, then you have the Tim Tebow jump pass, yep. right? Yep. Um, and and really kind of flexing in, at the student se- section at, uh, in in Baton Rouge, and there was also remember the fake field goal, toss over the head. Yep. And um, still one of my favorite plays in LSU. It, well, it didn't go according to plan. Remember, it bounced. I know. And, and LSU's kicker was able to recover it uh, and still got the first down yeah. and allowed that winning drive to continue. That, yeah. uh, there's, we, it, it's evident, man. There's, there's just, just some wild things that have gone on in this matchup, and I'm waiting to see what it's going to be for this one because it's going to be something that'll, that we'll remember. I mean, just two years ago, the shoe throw. I remember watching that game, and and I was like, what just happened? Like, I agree. LSU was going to lose that game. Yep. And and I didn't think anything of the shoe, throwing the, the throwing of the shoe. Yeah. But I know exactly the penalty that they called. You know, a del- delay a game. Yeah. You're delay delaying game. the yep. game. You yep. cannot do that. So I didn't think anything of it when I saw it. But when they threw the flag, I'm like, whoa, yeah. this is what? All right, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, listen, there, again, there's a lot of iconic moments in this rivalry. Yes. And I, I like LSU being the permanent, uh, or, or excuse me, Florida being the permanent East rivalry, our game yeah, uh, like opponent, um, you know, in the SEC. I know Georgia, Florida is a big rivalry, um, largest cocktail party, which I think they canceled or they can't call it that anymore. I don't know. Um, and then 
you know, obviously in the West, LSU and Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss. Uh, but this is a great cross-conference rivalry that it's hard to find in other conferences, not the, one like this. The tradition is there. The different types of games are there. The, the, the lopsided games, the really tight games, the weird and the quirky. I mean, all of it's there, so it should continue to go forward forever. Yeah, and, you know, Steve Spurrier coached and, play, uh, coached and played in this rivalry, yep. winning the Heisman Trophy um, with Florida. And, and um, he owned LSU as a coach and as a player, man. <laughs> he owned LSU. Now – I know, I know LSU fans were happy to see him go to the NFL because <laughs> they wanted him out of Gainesville. And I think, honestly, had Steve Spurrier not left to go to the NFL, I think he still might still, be there. He might still be coaching. I agree. I mean, he was on a, 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 a trajectory to be, uh, you know, a Bobby Bowden type mm-hmm. coach in, the, in, the, in, the, in college football. And I think he would still be there today with probably another four or five championships. Yeah, and, and potentially – now, there's the Nick Saban in the room, and you know he'd have had to go against him. Yeah, against but him. he had his he had his program uh-huh. rolling. He though. had it humming. It was rolling. So oh, yeah. all he needed was a couple players here and there, and to continue to move forward, he'd have been fine. Man, one of the many great players that played in this rivalry was uh, Danny Werfel. Yeah, Florida quarterback before yeah. Tebow mania took over. Danny Werfel was, I mean, he was a deity down there yep. uh, in Florida. Yep. He was, he was the guy. I played against Danny in 96, and I saw him play in 95. In 96, he won the Heisman Trophy. And then the game we played them was at Ben-Hur Stadium, whatever ben the name Griffin. of it is. Hill Griffin, there you go. Um, this this dude was throwing literal pennies. You know how they say dropping Not dimes? dimes. Pennies, yeah. Pennies. I mean, <laughs> literally just – I mean, you could stop Wherever he wanted him. it. I mean, we had so we had some of the best DBs in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, we had uh, uh, oh man, I can't think of the names right now, but um, uh, Tory James. Um, we had uh, uh, Cedric Donaldson. We had a really great cornerback, and these guys were draped all over these receivers. And when I tell you, ball placement was superb into a T, sixty-three points of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 this is what I'm talking about: being creative and imaginative, and and. Allowing your, your your playmakers to make plays, they'll be in trips left with a with a with a with a with a single guy on his on the right side, and then they'll take the two outside guys on the left and just run hitch it, and then the inside guy will go up ten yards, fake like he's running the post, and then go back to the corner, and it's one on one constantly. Mm-hmm. And those other two guys over there, they're not even looking for the ball. Their whole sole purpose is just to pull the cornerbacks, whoever them down, so that one guy is in the route by himself. So. Danny wasn't really truly reading coverages. Okay. Now he was, but he wasn't, if that makes sense, because it was all single man routes with everybody else being decoyed. Based on concept, they were able to free yes. guys up and make it easier to read. Correct. And then all you got to do is you place the ball where it needs to be, and he was a master of that. You know how Mummy gets a lot of credit for that. You know the whole air raid offense spread. Yep. And Steve Spurrier was doing similar stuff when he was coaching in Florida. <laughs> Excuse me. Well before. Well before that, and Steve Spurrier not only did he. <laughs> do that well before but he was actually the in my opinion he was probably the greatest to do it because he sustained it for such a long time a long period and then he was able to add the the running game into it with the fred taylors and and all these guys like that that you know um the emmett smith those guys i mean they were they were ballers so at the end of the day i think that steve knew exactly how to conceptually um draw up plays so that the defense could be on the heels entirely. The whole Have game. you noticed that, <clears throat> by and large, offensive line play in the NFL, 
is not as good as it was maybe before the spread offense. Have you noticed that? That's because they don't have their hands on the ground anymore. They're all right. sitting back waiting to That's pass. Right. Or the or it's like the, open, the RPO system. That's it. Because they're not really they're not really shedding shedding guys and they're moving up to the next level or double teaming or anything like that or they're not creating holes. Everything is 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 just sit back and wait really and just hope that if it, if it you know if if the defense goes this way you just go with them and the running back finds a hole or the quarterback's getting the ball out of his hands very quickly. You know, this is where. I know the spread offense is wildly popular. A lot of, a lot of colleges run it. It's, it's the dominant offense in college football, and I love it because I, I would I would have thrived in the spread offense. You certainly would have personally. But I also think that, man, if you're that's why the military academies that run the the, the triple, triple option, option yep. give some of these these teams such problems is because they don't see it every week. You're seeing the spread in every game you're playing. If you're in the SEC or any mm-hmm. other conference, by and large, you're going to see the spread. But you, you run up against one of these military academy teams, and you don't see it, and you can't emulate it. It's harder to emulate because you don't run it. Uh, your scout team hasn't run it. They grew up in high school running the spread. They've, they're in college running the spread. So that it just goes back to – I remember Jack Reed. He, he's a high school football coach in California. He also coached some youth football. And he wrote a few books, and this is when he was coaching youth football. He said – and I don't know if this can apply in college just because guys are so much bigger and faster – but whatever league he got in, whether it was, you know, um, Pop Warner or whatever, yep. and there were eight teams in it, and six of them ran the I formation. The other one might have run uh, split backs. Well, he was running uh, the triple option, or he was going to run the single wing, mm-hmm. or he was going to run the double wing. You know, I, I, I want to be – he wanted to always be the only offense in that league that ran that system, so everybody had to – Everybody had to scurry to prepare. Didn't know if you. It's hard to at the at that level. It's hard to mimic something if you don't quite understand it yourself and how to teach it, right? Yeah. To your scout guys. So no, I, I, I I just don't know if that would apply in college football. But I don't know. I I, I, I my biggest complaint about really the NFL and college football is it's a copycat and there's no contrarian thought to to anything. Well, it's hard for the NFL to not copycat what colleges are doing because that's all they're doing. So they're not training those guys. Because you got to remember, college is a form league for the NFL. Sure. They're basically the, the precursor, right? And so, In these, essence, yeah. Yeah, these guys, they want these guys to learn what they're doing, but they're not. They're, the college coach said, you know what, this is my team. This is how we can do it, and this is what they've all gone to. And, uh, and then to speak on your point for the military teams, and why they run the triple option and all those different types of or that type they have of less offense. athletes. Not just because of that, because it takes very great discipline yeah. to defend it. Yeah. And they know that the other people oh, yeah. that they're playing are not as disciplined as their guys are. It takes discipline to perform that offense. You gotta know how to ride the ride the back, the fullback from hip to hip. You and, you and ran that offense? Yeah, you know. and, and read that defensive end or that linebacker or that cornerback, whoever it is out there, depending upon the defense, whether or not you're gonna give the ball, whether you're gonna keep and pull and run, or you're going to pull and pitch, whatever it is. I mean, it's very – got to be disciplined, and it's, it takes everybody to do it. It's not just a – like I was saying about the, the Steve Spurrier offense, like a, it's a two-man deal. Basically, it's the mm-hmm. receiver and the quarterback. Much more complex yes. in particular. Yeah, I, look, I, that's why, you know, I, I, again, I'm being a little bit contrary, and I don't know that it would work in co- at the major level of college football consistently. But I, I would like to see – like we saw – remember – Ronnie Brown of the Miami Dolphins yep. and, that, and, the, uh, and the Wildcat, right? The mm-hmm. Wildcat, Wildcat, Wildcat. He had success, and then teams started to kind of adjust to that. Well, people forget 
like there's only real, really like three original offenses. The spread is a spinoff of the run and shoot, right? To a degree. Yep. Um, and option. And any option. Yeah, it's a blend. Um, so, but people, you know, people start seeing these these trends, and and college football is trendy, and uh, you know, so is the NFL. I think because of the jobs that are on the line, coaches tend to go with what's proven, right? They, right. They don't. They want to go with what they know, and they're not too, they're not too willing to take that, that many risks when a, uh, in terms of a scheme, uh, defensively or offensively. It's just kind of the way the way it goes. But people were calling that the, the Wildcat. That was the single wing. That's yeah, all that's that all was. It was, yeah, it was yeah. just a single wing, yeah, yeah. which um, was invented by a guy named David Aldrich. Um, I did some research, and uh, well, the spinner, full, the spinning fullback, the single wing w- originated with football, right? When football originated, but they have another one with this, with a, called a spinning fullback, who is technically the quarterback. Right. We've seen um, Catholic High run it. They run a version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I'm a football geek when it comes to that stuff, and I, I don't know where, I, how I got into this conversation, but uh, when it com- I'm fascinated by, it. just like I'm. Re- I, a lot of people think that Miles Davis invented the run and shoot. You know who did? Who? A guy named Tiger Ellison. Okay. Yeah, he invented the run and shoot, just like we see. Um, and that was in where, where was he? I I got his book in the house. Um, I got I would have to. I don't have it on okay. the top of my head. But um, you know that formation that a lot of people call the swinging gate. Yep. That's called the lonesome pole cat. <laughs> By by Tiger Ellison's yeah. definition, okay. he he designed an entire offense around, around that. that formation. Yeah, yeah. So think about that, and so that's innovation. That's contrary, and what we're seeing today is just all right. They're doing it, so we're going to do it, and, yeah. and they take a little twist. Um, anyway, let me go to a break <laughs> because I've got I've gone way too geek here on football <laughs> formations and offense. I, I just read a lot of books on it and fascinated by it, and like double. I've read books on the double wing, single wing. Uh, the the run and shoot um, spread. I just yep. trying to understand it. Yep. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL LSU and Florida at six o'clock tonight. You'll hear it right here on the home of the LSU Fighting Tigers, WWL, along with Herb Tyler. I'm Christian Garrick. We welcome in now Jordy Colada, Jordy Colada Show. Jordy, how are you, man? What's up, Christian? What's up, Herb Tyler is alongside as well. What's up, Jordy? The legend. What's up, yes, Herb? Indeed. Oh, good, man. Good. How you doing, buddy? All good, man. It's a beautiful Saturday. A lot of good college football on right now. And yeah. uh, how about Tennessee the Vols? Bama. How about, <laughs> how, great, how, about how about the Vols on top of Bama? They look great. It looks like this is the kryptonite, right? To this, yep. this this Bama defense. We've seen Sarkeesian in Texas earlier this year play this quick tempo attack where they get to the line, get the snap off with about twenty five, twenty two seconds, and create one on ones. And Bama. You know they're kind of looking towards the sideline with their hands in the air. So um, this is this this looks like this is an issue uh, for the tied defense here in twenty two. How's the show going, Jordy? Oh, Christian's going great, man. It really is. You know, during football season, we've uh, experienced some, some really good growth from year to year. From last football season, our first one to uh, to where we are now, we've had an addition of Kyle Kasky, who was a 11-year veteran and the NFL coach. He was on Urban Meyer's staff last season in Jacksonville and spent some time on LSU staff as an analyst. And he's out this year, and he's, he's kind of breaking down uh, and doing some, some, some film breakdown for us weekly that's been real popular. And he actually looked at Cincinnati's offense. He spent uh, six years in Cincinnati. He actually drafted Jeremy Hill. He was the running backs coach with, uh, with Cincinnati and Marvin Lewis. And 
so he knows Cincinnati pretty well, and uh, that that's been a real cool addition. But um, you know, just being able to to last really, Christian has has been the success of you know kind of finding our footing and here for a second football season. Herb and I were talking uh, over the last hour and a half just how petty this rivalry is between LSU and Florida and some of the historical moments, one of which Herb was a part of in 1997, taking down the number one ranked, then number one ranked Florida Gators, and then you had the shoe throw a couple years ago. So the theme of this show so far today, um, Jordy, has been expect anything wild to go wild. It's going to (laughs) go. Yep. Uh, always look i mean i i can remember um you know back in in, in 2010 with the fake field goal that you yeah. know, they throw over the head and i mean it's on a perfect line ball you know bounces right into the gate you know gut of, of uh of of the kicker josh jasper and he's able to uh sprint ahead for a couple of, of yards and keep a drive alive and Jarrett lee hits terrence tolliver in the in the corner of the end zone to get mm-hmm. out of the swamp with a win it's always got these quirky moments and really over the last 10 years fellas it's turned into a pretty heated rivalry you know kind of off the field between the fan bases um you know you've really seen this game become circled uh for for both fan bases lsu's won seven of the last 10 you know they've really you know been on a streak here it'd be um be their third straight win today if they could if they could take care of business uh and now with the you know the brian kelly Billy Napier storyline that that people are, are 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 kind of focusing on. This is you know a new um, you know kind of a new talking point going into this rivalry that um, could take on a life of its own. Jordy, we talked about the rivalry and, and the Billy Napier aspect of it. Man, how many LSU fans that you know of doing your show down there in Baton Rouge wanted Billy Napier as a head coach at LSU? Well, I, I, there was a. There was a contingent that was that, that was anxious to see if he was going to to get an opportunity, and I think you know really um, we, we had formed a relationship with Napier over the past couple of years on the show, and you know he was coming on with us and promoting what was going on down in Lafayette, and you know we really appreciated that and had grown to you know form a, a bit of a, a friendship, and you know he he was he was pretty open, you know kind of in, in circles of being pretty um you know he wanted the lsu job he, he wasn't making a secret out of it you know he, he was he had interviewed for the mississippi state job he had actually got the auburn job offered to him but on the contingency that he was to you know hold over some defensive staff members and he was going to have to have some guys on staff that was going to be forced to him he didn't want to do that he actually you know he, he also had a you know a south carolina interview but he was he was really kind of playing it you know he was he was playing it patient he was kind of waiting on the job to open up that that he really wanted, and there was only a couple of them that he was going to pay attention to. And, you know, Florida and LSU were both on that list. And he, he really was interested in the LSU job. Obviously, he was he, he knew the landscape of recruiting from, from spending five years in Lafayette. But, I mean, Christian Herb, he never got an interview. They never contacted him. And I think, yep. you know, Scott Woodward had his list, and, and he didn't get too far down his list. So, you know, credit him for, for knowing who he wanted and going out and getting him. Um, you know, but from from Florida's standpoint, they, they did the thing. You know, the same thing with with Napier. They knew they wanted him. They they they, they dialed in on him, and um, as soon as the job opened up with Dan Mullen, they went and hired Billy Napier. So, um, you know, he never really had a chance at the LSU job. So, you know, people that said he was snubbed or didn't get a fair shake, I, you know, I, he didn't get a shake at all. So, I think that right. Scott Woodward knew who he wanted. And, and he went and found him, and the same for Scott Strickland, you know, the AD over at Florida. He knew who he wanted, and he went and found Napier, and 
and, and put him in place. So um, both of them solid coaches. I think if you were, you know, Herb, you could probably talk more to this than, than, than we could. But if you were looking for a comparison, you know, in, in, in football coaches, I think that, you know, Billy Napier is, is Brian Kelly 20 years ago. You know, I mean, really, he's, he's a guy that stabilized some, some – um, you know, some SCS programs and, um, you know, has, has had success in uh, on, on staffs as, you know, being a recruiter and being a coordinator and, um, you know, is, is known for being very well organized and, and for, um, you know, having a clear plan. And, you know, it, it, it feels like they're almost kind of images, same images of one another, just, you know, 20 years behind each each other. Yeah, Jordan, I'd have to 100% agree with you on that. And I think Napier is actually at the is at the place where he needs to be. I think he's going to be very successful yeah. at Florida, and I think he's going to have a long career there. Now, I do have a question for you, and I want to know, this is very near and dear to my heart because I'm an offensive guy, and I know you've been watching this year's Tigers uh, play this year, and it's just something's off, right, offensively. Can you talk a little bit to what you think the Tigers can do today to maybe get – on track not I can't say get back on track because I don't think yeah. they've ever been on track offensively is it the is it is it is it Denbrock is it is it Daniels is it the offense is it the players what do you think it is that LSU can do tonight to move forward to get on track offensively look I don't know if this will soothe all of their issues but I put a lot of stock in the first 15 plays uh, of a game for an offense and I think that that does a lot of working a group into a rhythm, specifically, you know, the quarterback, right? And one thing, you know, that everybody's barking for Jaden Daniels to do is to push the ball down the field, take shots down the field. Well, that's just not going to happen, you know, on first down in, in the first drive of the game. I mean, to me, some easy, you know, kind of rollout, split the field, low mm-hmm. progressions, just kind of letting work to one or two receivers and, you know, specifically let those those receivers be Kayshawn Booty and, and, and Jack Besh or Malik Neighbors to get those guys kind of involved and moving. But the first 15 plays with easy throws and getting guys like Kayshawn involved, whether it be on jet sweeps, easy yep. passing catches around the line of scrimmage, that way when it's time to take shots and push the ball down the field – he, he's he's more confident. The quarterback's more confident in 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 where he is in situations. They're playing too much behind the chains. They're playing too much of 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 desperation football. You know, they're they're constantly in second and longs, third and longs, where you're asking him to step back there and read one, two, three, four. He's just not comfortable doing that, and it's it's unfair for us to ask him to change his traits and personality within. You know a seven day you know a seven day game week. I mean, he made some right. good throws last week against Tennessee. I thought that third and eight that he ripped to Malik Neighbors in the first half on the sideline was as good of a throw as we've seen him make all year. But that that's him growing up. That's not who he is. I mean, he 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 he's more comfortable on you know one two progression. If it's not there, he's running. And I yep. think that the offense needs to cater to that. You know, I mean, it's not it's not a mystery. It's not a secret uh, of who he is. Yeah. You have to develop a plan that suits him, and I think some early, easy throws of working him into a rhythm, getting the guys around him involved, and getting everybody kind of you know moving in motion together um, will really kind of pay off later in the game because everything feels so clunky, everything feels so difficult to do. Yeah, what what do you think about the tempo? 
right? You you, you mentioned Steve Sarkeesian, and now you're talking Josh Hypo over at Tennessee. What do you think, you know, do you think that Daniels plays better at a high tempo? Herb, I think it, it speaks for itself. I mean, you turn on the film, you watch him play, it's evident. I mean, think fourth quarter Florida State. Think, mm-hmm. you know, second half Auburn. Think, you know, I mean, even second half a little bit last week where they were just kind of getting up to the line of scrimmage and playing without thinking because they were so far behind. I, I know that Tennessee was in prevent, but that's where he looks comfortable. <laughs> I mean, like that, he, yep. he looks as if he's not thinking out there and he's just playing. And I know that every coach's goal is to find that, you know, to find that spot for, 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 for players where it's just, hey, look, it's just muscle memory out there, man. Just get out there and do what you practice every day. And it looks like that's where he he feels the most comfort. So that's where I've, I've kind of been disappointed in in the coaching staff of just, you know, not putting them in the best place to succeed. You know, I, I don't think that a quarterback change is going to soothe LSU's issues. I think you're going to no. deal with, with, with the same stuff. I no. mean, if right. the offensive line is going to be – you know, today what's going to be the, the sixth combination that they've started in, in, in seven weeks? You know, look, that, that's, that's unstable. So you need a guy back there that, you know, is going to have to handle pressure. And if he's got to get out of it, he, he's going to need to with his athleticism. And Daniels is really the, the best guy for that. So I think he's, he's, he's got to be the quarterback. You've just got to develop the plan around him that is best for him. And I think, so, you know, some, a lot of the time when you watch a game, you're like, Okay, look at look at him working in the tempo. Look at him working in one two progression routes, and then if it's not there, get him outside and let him run. I mean, too many runs within the hash marks, sir. You know, what I mean, yep. too many times yep. is he just like floating around out there where he could get. You know, he's he's a buck eighty maybe. You know, he's not Cam Newton. He's not Dak Prescott. I mean, he's he's a couple of shots away from, you know, being being really hurt. So yep. I think that you got to protect him, but you have to run him. And you got to have plays that are that, that are suited to his skill set. Jordy, if you're going to make a quarterback change, if you are, it would be the you know get Walker Howard in there for a game or two towards the end of the season, just because you want to redshirt him. But you also, I think Jordan Howard's their uh, Walker Howard, excuse me, uh, Walker Howard is, is is their future, and, and Brian Kelly might be tempted to get him a, you know a half here or there, um, you know, in the final couple games of the season just to prepare him for next year. Oh, it's clear that they love Howard. You know, I mean, they they know that they've got a true, you know, jewel in him. Um, and you know, Brian Kelly made some comments earlier this week that I thought you know was was pretty telling on how they feel yeah. about about the freshman. And even Jamie Howard, we had his dad on yesterday morning for about twenty minutes, and you know, he mentioned some of the conversations that he's had with Brian Kelly and kind of some of the not 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 with Kelly specifically about you know just through recruiting but you know sitting back and watching and talking to Walker you know he's really in a good place um and I think that he'll get some of those reps you know as they move down that down the schedule I, I'm with you you know I, I think that it, it's pretty obvious that a lot of the talk in training camp of it being you know kind of a neck and neck race was you know just kind of a lot of coach speak to keep those guys engaged and keep everybody around so they didn't have too many guys transfer out but it was clearly Daniel's job and I think they knew the future really sat with with, with Walker Howard in, in in his you know where where he is where he progresses um but yeah I think that you know the later the season moves along the more opportunities that they have to get guys reps and you know I may even think that you you, you probably see Walker Howard maybe even start that UAB game and you know play deep into the game and you know get him as many quality reps as as you can just to you know, when, it, when it's time, and I think the time's probably going to be sooner rather than later on Howard 
um, you know, that he's ready to go. Jordy, I, I loved how Brian Kelly and his staff, um, you know, you touched on the, oh, neck and neck race, neck and neck race. <laughs> yeah. um, and then right down to the very end, I mean, the, the day of the Florida State game, uh, yep. so-and-so uh, reporting that uh, Jaden Daniels is going to be the quarterback for the LSU Tigers. I told you that August 9th. Yeah, right, right. No doubt. I was like, I was like, this is not a big secret, and they still downplayed it. No, and look, I think that they were just playing some some sportsmanship. You know, I think they yeah. were playing some gamesmanship and 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 maybe trying to kind of hide the plan. But moreover, I think I think that they were trying to protect the roster. I think that yeah. they were just making sure that you know they weren't saying out in public, you know, just how how wide the divide was because they wanted to keep as many guys. Um, you know, on on the team before they 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 decided to transfer as possible. So, um, yeah, no, look, I, I think that the, the more and more you look at, at at who LSU is, the more you see that there's really only one quarterback for this team. Twenty-one to ten, fourteen minutes left to go in the second quarter. The Vols on top of Alabama. We're hanging out with Jordy Collada, Jordy Collada show. Jordy, where can folks check you out on YouTube? Always can hit me on the Jordy Collada Show. Just search it there on YouTube. But the easiest place to hit us is on uh, social media, at Collada Show, uh, any platform, whether it's uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, all over the place, uh, you can find us there. Awesome. Jordy, uh, a former LSU, a couple of former LSU Tigers come to the Big Easy tomorrow. Uh, the Bengals taking on the Saints. Joe Burrow returns to the building in, one he, in, in which he won it all. Uh, you coming down here to New Orleans? We will be there tomorrow morning, Christian. Looking forward to it, man. Got some great seats, uh, compliments of a, uh, a, a partner of ours, and uh, we are going to uh, to be in the Dome. I think it's going to be an incredible atmosphere, um, you know, to, to, to watch Joey and Jamar uh, back uh, down south and, you know, Jamar coming back home. And Saints looking to get to get right. I think this could be a good opportunity. I was looking at the, the injury list today, though, Christian. I mean, you – does Herb have any more eligibility left? Can he? Can <laughs> I mean, he might have to suit up tomorrow. I mean, everybody's out. Yeah, it's this is an injury-riddled football team, and they're facing a, a Joe Burrow and the Bengals team that didn't get off to the start that they wanted, and have lost uh, every game. The three losses they, they've had has yeah. been by a field goal or less. So, uh, yeah. it's going to be interesting tomorrow. Jordy, thanks for the time. See you later, fellas. Thank All you, right, Jordy Colada, the Jordy Colada Show. We'll step away and come back. Give our final thoughts on LSU Florida. We'll dip into a little Saints and Bengals as well. I know Herb is dying to talk yes. about that matchup too. Yeah, I got a little bit of eligibility left, and that's the backup to the backup to the backup of the third string, fourth string, and fifth string cheerleader. <laughs> All right, there you go. I, I would have said more like I got some eligibility. To, I can help you pick up the, the, the trash, the trash the you know, cups. Uh, uh, or, or take, you know, the, the, the cups. <laughs> I'll give us Gatorade. Or you make a great Gatorade, yeah, right? There you that's go. That's about all I, like I got. It. That's about okay. all I can offer. Well, I can help you with that. How all about right. that? Hey, we'll, we'll start our own Bobby Boucher. I like it, yeah. High-quality 820. That's a high-quality 820. He's Herb Tyler. <laughs> I'm Christian Garrick. We are having too much fun. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. <laughs> Doggy Bama is vomiting on their shoes. A muff punt, Tennessee at the Bama three yard line recovers. Touchdown Vols 28 to 10 over the Vols over Bama. 11 minutes to go in the second quarter. Ooh, I'm, we're going to get to see some gump tears. We're going to get to see some gump tears. And I'm going to be happy. Uh, sorry, I'm petty. Everybody in the state of Louisiana will be happy. Yeah, anytime Alabama loses, I love seeing gump fans cry. Oh, they cheated us or. 
oh, we, we'll play him again and we'll beat him. Uh, well, you lost today. You know, in all likelihood, it's barring a, a, a major comeback, um, they're, what they're down by 18 in the second quarter, 11 minutes left. Gotcha. So. Okay. Still got time. They got a lot of time, but, but I don't know. I, I, if Bryce Young isn't playing, I don't see, yeah, I'm I don't see them coming back. I'm with you. All right, so I want to um, talk to you a little bit about uh, you're obviously a, a big NFL lover and Saints fan as well. You're also an LSU Tiger. And you got a couple of LSU Tigers coming back to the, uh, New Orleans tomorrow, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Um, and it's the first time they've been back in this building since they won a national championship. And down here, as you witnessed uh, three years ago, you know we certainly we had the homeboy and Jamar Chase, but we adopted Joe Burrow as our Louisiana native son. Yep. And there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some uh, mixed emotion, uh, quite frankly, because I think every other week. Except for this week, Saints fans will be rooting for the Bengals, uh, but not yep. so much tomorrow. So interesting, so, interesting play of fate there. So, if if you're a Saints fan, then you're rooting for the Saints. If you're a Joe Burrow fan or Jamar Chase fan, then you can silently root for them, but hope that the team loses. I'm okay with that. But however, at the end of the day. A Saints fan is a Saints fan. I don't care who's on the other side of the football field. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I'm pulling for the Saints no matter what, and I can't wait to see them win tomorrow. Jimmy Chase, the father of Jamar, said, hey, he's keeping he's counting That's my receipts. Man. He's keeping receipts. That's said, my man. Yeah, I love Jimmy. Jimmy is the greatest, man. Right, we'll step away and come back and wrap up the Gulf Coast Bank and T- Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. Herb, do anything special for the game? Tonight? Yeah. Yeah, no, nothing. Mm-mm, no, just going to go watch this house? I'm going to blaze to the house and watch it and make it happen, baby. There you go. Hey, just watch it. Look, man, this week in college football has been great with all the top five, uh, yes. top ten showdowns. This has been a fantastic week. We expect it to kind of culminate tonight with LSU and Florida. I know uh, it's not a top ten matchup. What are your keys to victory for LSU? <laughs> score points. <laughs> we got to score points. I only laugh because, yeah, of course. <laughs> we got to score points. We're gonna We're going to be in a foreign environment. They're going to be coming down on us. We got to block all of that out. We got to play solid defense. We got to make field goals. We can't muff punts. Yeah. Um, you got to create turnovers. All the cliche things. But ultimately, we need to play some offense and score some points. We need to have fun out there, and we need to throw the ball around a little bit and be mindful as to the talent that we have on the team. Even in the games that LSU has won, they have not played a complete game. No, not yet. No. So tonight would be a good night to dust that sucker off. It, it would be a great time to start, right? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. You put the, put it all together: offense, defense, special teams. Uh, get contributions. Don't let special teams be a detriment. Don't let the offense be a detriment. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's calling for a perfect night if you're going to beat Florida. Let's take a step forward tonight uh, for this 2022 Tiger team and see what we can do. Before we push out of here, 28-17 Vols lead. Bama scored. They're still in the second quarter. Ah, okay. Yeah, so this game still got another half to go. It is Nick Saban. It is Nick Saban, but. I, uh, if he spoils my enjoyment of being able to see some gump tears tonight, I will never, ever forgive Nick Saban, and I will never acknowledge him as the all-time best coach in college well, football history. Don't don't forgive Josh Heupel. That's what you do. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I want to thank David Potter uh, back at Master Control. Also, our executive producer and operations manager, Diane Newman. I'm Christian Garrick. Simplify. I'm out. Herb, take us to the house. All right, man. I hope everybody enjoyed the game tonight. And remember, God loves you. I love you. And go Tigers, baby. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.